Tombstone Minute, your daily podcast where we discuss movie Tombstone Minute by Minute. It's a Huckleberry Wednesday. We're on Minute 118. I'm your co-host, Rob, and joined as always is my good friend, Joe. Good afternoon, evening, morning, whatever it may be in your neck of the woods, listeners. And joining us uh, again, returning Huckleberry, we have Jim. Hello, it's uh, it's really fun to be back. I'm, I'm honored to be asked back. I w- have a question immediately for Joe. You use the term neck of the woods. Yeah. Does that go over with your students uh, as poorly as Tom, Dick, and Harry does? <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, no. Yes, it does go okay. over as poorly. I, I was trying to think of like, no, it goes over badly. Yeah. Uh, uh, I just I not just as it. badly. Like they've heard of that at least. Oh. Well, good. I don't know. Is that un- is that an uncommon thing that I think is common? An exp- an expression. Your neck of the woods. Or uh, I derail the Huckleberry appearance any further. It's very it's very good to be back. Um, I feel quite honored to. Uh, I've been your Huckleberry uh, for two the two good guy like dramatic deaths in this in this film. Yeah. I was on for the death of Morgan Earp, and uh, and now here we are, like the end. Should we minute one eighteen, right? Should we call Jim the official grief counselor of Tombstone Minute? I like that. Yeah, and actors know. Actors know you don't want Jim on set when uh, if they're there because it means it's probably there's probably a death scene for them. If I'm the two curses are Macbeth (laughs) and Jim as a guest on a podcast. Wow. I gotta say that's even. I mean that is some grand company. Yeah, if I'm taking notes. I mean, I guess in a movie, you probably would figure that your character is going to die. But if you're on a long-running TV show, and then yeah. one day I'm, I show up on the set and I'm taking notes, it's like, well, looks like the gravy train has come to an end. <laughs> Better call the agent. <laughs> call the agent. I hope I don't have to go to back to, to doing vo- voiceover work. <laughs> it's, but, um, but, yeah, it's super fun to be back. I'm very happy to be back. Well, uh, like I said, we're on minute 118. And in this minute, as we continue our um, – this conversation between Doc and Wyatt. Doc tells Wyatt to leave. Um, and in the in the previous minute, we've just uh, Doc told us about his cousin, and then here may, may he's I going on for just may I, may I interrupt for yeah. just a moment? Sure. How many how many times has somebody laying in a bed told Wyatt to leave in his life? <laughs> That's good, there- Maddie. There has to be. I, there, I'm guessing there has to be available if someone had the the gumption and the desire to do it. Some sort of YouTube supercut that could be made of people laying in bed in this movie, just oh, yeah. telling Wyatt to get the hell out. <laughs> what's what's that alternate story of? Two? There is no gunfight. It's just a guy that people don't want in their bedroom. <laughs> so we have Doc start out by saying. Uh, so that's all I ever wanted. All he ever really wanted was to be with his, his cousin. And he asks, uh, "Why? what did you want? And Wyatt says, just to live a normal life. We hear this from Wyatt all the time, right? Throughout this, I just, I just, guys, I just yeah. want to live a normal life. And yeah, and here's, here's the last time, I guess, he sort of uh, lies to himself about it, right? Like, it just rings so hollow. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm going to live a normal life. By the way, I've mastered how to scam Pharaoh. Yes, <laughs> uh, I can. Uh, I'll, I can. I, I can. I use violence to the most extreme 
for the most extreme means, you know. Uh, but, you know, he says it, and it's so it's. He doesn't really believe it, but Doc Holliday sort of talks him into it, I guess. He goes to Tombstone to live this normal life, and within the first 30 minutes he's there, he slaps a guy around and then takes a shotgun. <laughs> yeah, like, as he walks into town, that essentially is what happens. Yeah, during the tour. Yeah. <laughs> Just want to live a like normal life. Like when, when you drive into a new town, you're like, well, let's go figure out where the grocery store is and everything. Oh, I'm going to go slap that guy up. To take well, his job. That's true. He, you you say the tour, but he is sort of on like the old west version of like the realtor. You know, tell me about mm-hmm. this neighborhood. You know. Yeah. Oh well, here's the good spots. Here's the bad spots. Stay away from there. Wait a minute. I'll be right back. I don't like it, the cut of that guy's jib. The tour even includes a little bit of racism about where the Chinese are. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> like. Like that was the thing, watching this, and we're getting far away from this minute already. Who but... cares? Yeah. So depressing. <laughs> Behan immediately is like, oh, I'm, on the, I'm the chair, I'm, I'm, I'm the executive chairman of the, so the anti-Chinese league or whatever. The non-partisan, non-partisan. The gym. non-partisan, yes. We, we... <laughs> we the, don't the, think... the third way Chinese, anti-Chinese. <laughs> they, don't wanna, they, don't, they, they do not want to make it appear as though they're playing favorites. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it just, Wyatt Earp has not led a normal life. He he will never be known for having had a normal life, but he says he's, he wants to live a normal life. It's like okay, well, I guess you're willing to go along with it because it's not it's not Kurt Russell's time to shine in this minute by any stretch. Well, and then we have we have uh, Doc gives him a pretty good answer on this though, right? I mean, he's like, "There's no normal life, why? There's just life." That's now, a very good answer. Yeah. Now get on with it. Um, and now this is, in my mind, the beginning of where Doc just starts to remember all the fun little signs he saw in cafes and slogans he's seen on coffee mugs throughout his life and just what? starts, like, regurgitating them all out oh, for Wyatt okay, here. Yeah. You know, because uh, Wyatt says, you know, I don't know how. And then Doc just starts, like, all these slogans come out. You know, say goodbye to me. He, he, Go t- grab like, the spirited for a pe- actress. That spirit of actress and take her beauty for your own. Yes. Then, then he <laughs> grabs lip- a pad of paper and he draws a little cat hanging on a branch. Hanging. Says, hang in there. Hang in there. <laughs> Don't look back. Live every second. Live right up to the hilt. Live, Wyatt. Live for me. He just is li- reading off the, the titles of, of the track list of a Boston album. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why I have more than a feeling that you're going to be just fine. <laughs> Don't look back. I would love to see the cover art for the Doc Holliday-themed Boston album. Because Boston usually had like a spaceship taken yeah, off Yeah, a big giant spaceship. Yeah. <laughs> so it would be designed with like playing cards, I guess. Like the lasers would be like laser shooting playing cards and it would be in the desert, I guess. It would Desert spaceship. It would be like well, Josephine. It's been you. You and Josephine been doing that foreplay a long time. <laughs> <laughs> now, please leave so I can get some peace of mind. Well, that's just... <laughs> hitch a ride if you need to. <laughs> Boy, I really miss smoking. <laughs> You're such a good friend because there's always been something about you. <laughs> oh God. Oh man, that's all I have. That's all I have. 
pasta and sauce. It's plenty. <laughs> it's plenty. <laughs> oh, whew. So we're, we're going to have to cut in, that out. Oh, no, well, we're absolutely know. keeping that. Keeping <laughs> I think that, that one stays. No, I'm kidding. Um, I will say I do like in the in the in the script. It's a little different in that he says this first line is different, and I like it. Uh, Doc says, uh, "I played the cards that I was dealt, Wyatt. Your problem is that you're always trying to play someone else's." Mm. Yeah, but is then that, it gets that's little, in the that's that's is, in the you, script. That didn't sound like a, a typical Rob joke. That's the actual line as written. Yeah, um, in the Tombstone, a novel by Giles Tippett. Based oh, yeah, on the screenplay right. by Kevin Jar. Um, he says, your problem is that you're always trying to play someone else's. Allow me to thus set you free. There is no happiness, Wyatt. There is no normal life, just life. That's all. Grab that black-haired woman and make her your own. Run and don't look back. Live every second. Live it right up to the hilt. Live, Wyatt. So I like that first line about the cards thing. That's actually not that bad. And it actually... You know, far be it for me to question the choices uh, Val Kilmer made, but it makes a little more sense as far as I want to live a normal life, uh, live a normal life, right? Well, then his response is, "Go get that black-haired woman." Yeah. But if somebody says, "I want to live a normal life," then you're like, "Hey, go date that actress." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, the leave your wife for a younger woman <laughs> yeah. who's an act traveling actress. <laughs> is that the answer for living a normal life? I, I hope so. Uh, I guess, yeah. <laughs> the way these guys, and I guess, uh, I guess shots. I realized, like, in this scene, they're actually playing cards. So the whole like cards thing is maybe hits it too hard on the head there. Well, that was that right? to me was the that was that was sort of when I, I know, several rewatchings, as we all as we all do here with Tombstone, we watch it over and over. Yep. I realized. Oh wait a second, Doc Holliday, world famous card player, he doesn't want to play cards anymore. Yeah. Must be time to die. Yeah. Yeah. Chips are down. Um. <laughs> However, if I may lighten the mood from death for a second. Yeah, let's did it, do that. Dawn, did, did you notice at all how there's about four or five other times in the movie where Doc Holliday looks much worse than he does on his deathbed? Like, he doesn't yeah, look that that's, bad. <laughs> yeah, he's got some color in his skin. He's not sweating. He's dried out. He's not smoking. He's not drinking. He's just dying. That's true. Yeah, he's just kind of hanging out. <laughs> um, I did a little research, guys. Do oh. you want me to dive into How this? How many times Jim? have you said that exact phrase on this show? I did a little research, guys. Seven. Probably like <laughs> 17,000 times. Well, actually, 118 times. If I may speak for the audience, the research goes a long way on Tombstone Minute. Yeah, it, it, I'm not yeah, saying see? I don't like it. That's just like one of your. That's one of your catchphrases. Like I did a little yeah, research. Yeah, I'm gonna have a T-shirt. Guys. I'm gonna have a T-shirt that says that. Tombstone minute. I did a little research. <laughs> that, that would be a great Rob. Catch. What's your catchphrase? Not I'll buy that for a dollar or anything. Just... <laughs> did I do that? <laughs> did I do, no. I did a little research. I'm did sorry. Research. Okay. All right. So in real life, uh, it's kind of like add some timing to this. Uh, 1882-ish is when uh, the whole 81 to 82 is when we, most of the events of Tombstone take place. Doc mm-hmm. dies in 1887. So in between, we've got these five years. Doc had moved up moved up to Leadville, Colorado, and was a faro dealer. Um, 
which wasn't great for his tuberculosis because, you know, it's a harsh winter climate, high elevation. He uh, drank heavily, used laudanum quite a bit. He practiced limited dentistry and didn't carry a gun. He sort of, uh, once he sort of moved down there, he, he kind of moved up there. He sort of calmed down as a criminal until something happened, guys. You ready for this? He stayed out yes. of trouble. He stayed out in trouble until a certain individual moved up to Leadville. That man's name, Johnny Tyler. That oh. madcap? Madcap Johnny Tyler. He oh my goodness. moves up there. He starts telling stories about Doc to a former Leadville policeman named William Allen. Um, they like uh, go to the bar where Doc is working, and they start t- mocking him and teasing him, and it sort of eventually becomes violent a few weeks later when Doc couldn't repay a $5 loan from Allen, so Doc retrieves a hidden gun and shoots Allen. Um, he was acquitted after claiming self-defense, Part of his claims was that Alan outweighed him by 50 pounds. <laughs> uh, if I didn't kill him, I had no chance. So then Doc then goes to Glenwood Springs in 1887. At that point, he writes a letter to Kate, Big Nose Kate, about yeah. going there, asks her to join him. She does. Oh, he becomes wow. a caretaker at a local coal mine. Then he becomes a pharaoh oh, dealer. Oh, that's great gets... for his lungs, too. <laughs> yeah, I know. He makes a lot of bad lung decisions. <laughs> a lot of errors. Oh, um, oh so then come he... on. <laughs> that's, the, that's the worst one. <laughs> so then wow. he becomes a pharaoh dealer for a while at a hotel until he can't hold the cards anymore, and then he dies in a hotel room, not in a sanitarium. So that is essentially the real story behind what happened of Doc Holliday. That's is the different. real story? I, that's the real story right there. Because I saw that sanitarium story in several places on the internet. I did too, but apparently that is a myth. Oh, wow. In this movie, if we assume the narrative of the movie, which we need to at this point, Doc and um, Wyatt have been good friends. We know that five years has passed. What has Wyatt been doing for the last five years? Uh, see, I don't think that's what that's what the movie's saying at all. Okay, I don't think the movie. Did you, you do you get the movie implies a passage of time? It dissolves well, to the sanitarium, but it gives no real clear look at how much time has passed. Like it's implied that Wyatt's been visiting for a while. Yeah. So there's at least there's that. And but, but it is. It's bizarre because, like, the last thing we see before that dissolve, we we sort of discuss this a little bit in that, like, um, we see them, like, high-five each other on their horses, and then the next thing well, is, like, we see the sanitarium, and then we're here. Well, yeah, one of my favorite moments, even though uh, setting, up, setting this up, the last charge of Wyatt Earp and his immortals, right? Yep. He goes from killing Johnny Ringo. Let's do the last charge of Wyatt Earp and his immortals. They kill the rest of the cowboys, and there's a slow motion handshake between the two men. Yeah, on top of their horses. It owns. It's great. You it, you've done a great job killing those cowboys. Yeah, you too. Let's let's embrace. And then it's right to the sanitarium. So to me, yeah. I was reading. I was like taking that as like 
we finished the charge and that was just exhausted doc holiday oh okay so in 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 this movie you think it's like this is like eight months later or something yeah like a very short amount of time although it, i mean how they don't you know how they get to colorado i guess doesn't really make any sense yeah. i also did a little research Oh, let's hear it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Glenwood Springs, Colorado, where the supposedly he died in the sanitarium, right? Yep, yep. 812 miles from Tombstone. But that's 812 mm. miles by car, you know, using Internet Google Maps. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how long it would have taken, you know, back then. I, I think, just didn't we. Ass- didn't I think we've assumed this before? Am I wrong? Did we assume that a horse is as fast as a bike? <laughs> what? I would like. I don't remember I you ever Google- saying that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's like if we were to map it out, we're not going to do a car, right? Because that doesn't make sense, and we're not going to do walking because it's not as slow as walking. I think you just say on Google Maps, "What if you biked it?" Oh, okay, I see. So when so in 2017, if you want the horse travel distance, yep, you just do the bike directions. That's what I would think. They're you like know what? metal. You said that horses. confidently enough that I want to believe it. <laughs> okay, so if you were to bike it, um, oh man, well through eastern Arizona, it would take 70 hours. Definitely known as some of the most forgiving bike-friendly terrain in the Western Hemisphere. <laughs> <laughs> So <laughs> maybe that's what we should do is, you know, we, we don't we can't afford we can't afford the bus, guys. Let's be honest. That's not going to add well at this point. Minute bus. But we could do a bike rally. <laughs> the Tombstone bike rally. Get a bike rally from people. Tombstone to Glenview Hills. Tombstone to Tombstone. Tucson to Tombstone, it seems like more doable, right? By bike, that's five and a half hours. 72 miles. So we'll have a big oh, bike rally. Maybe I have 72 miles, I think, is, is within range of the standard hobbyist cyclist. But I don't know. Okay. Um, just also to backtrack onto the actual, like, time, the passage of time. I know things moved a little slower, you know, 130 years ago. But I, I just don't think the movie is suggesting a lot of time has passed because, like, you're supposed to also believe the actress would just... Like not stick around for yeah. five years or whatever. Yeah, yeah, like oh, she's she's in Denver doing Gilbert and Sullivan. Right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> five years have passed. She's still kind of around. Good pull. I don't know the movie. The yeah. movie's playing fast and loose with facts. It I'm, does obviously. And <laughs> credit <laughs> you haven't listened to 118 episodes <laughs> to have that bombshell <laughs> dropped on you. <laughs> yeah, People veering off the highway. And that's why I'm trying to figure out, like, I think your question is good. In the movie, how much time is supposed to have passed? I think they're kind of implying it happens pretty quick. Okay. And they just all, like, all those Tombstone characters like, like, hey, hey, let's go to Colorado. We already <laughs> dealt with the Cowboys down here. We've, we got rid of We've the dealt with the problem. We've dealt with the problem, so now let's move. <laughs> and Wyatt can create it's new problems it. elsewhere. That seems to yeah. be how it, it went for Wyatt Earp, though. That's true. Like, uh, i i do have I do have a question for you, Jim. Yeah. Um, we mentioned, or Doc, or sorry, Doc in here mentions a spirited actress. I know one of your great passions in life is Dana Delaney. 
I was wondering if you could uh, share with yeah. our listeners um, some uh, Dana Delaney facts you may have, uh, um, I, or any if, opinions on Dana Delaney. I'd like to share my opinions. I'll try to keep this concise. As okay. someone whose adolescence uh, coincided, early adolescence coincided with the television show China Beach, which I believe was on ABC. I think uh, you're right. China Beach, we didn't watch it in my home. I was still pretty young. Like, I don't think my mom wanted me watching some weird, like, melodrama about trying to show, like, a good-hearted side of the Vietnam War. <laughs> but uh, I, I was an, I was media-savvy enough as, like, like a 13-year-old kid, 14-year-old kid. Like, I was aware, like, people were, like, praising Dana Delaney. So from early on, I have this super... <laughs> like very impressive image of Dana Delaney in my head, like great actress, pretty woman, but not just a pretty face. Mm -hmm. She tackles this weighty subject material, right? Like this is, this is the kind of woman that should be in entertainment. At least that's how like the impression you were given from the way people talked about this show, China beach. And then in tombstone, it just isn't quite there. (laughs) (laughs) No, She, she doesn't, I don't know. It's just a weird it's a ham-fisted I don't... romantic subplot. And I'm like, where's China Beach Delaney? Where's that I don't I think that's. About? I don't think that's her fault, though. Well, I think no. that character is just written so poorly. Um, yeah. It's not, it, it's not, I think, a role for, like, a very acclaimed, serious, up-and-coming actress. Okay. But it's like, you know, I, I think I've mentioned this to you guys. I'm probably not... <laughs> on a podcast that's on iTunes, <laughs> but maybe in <laughs> casual conversation, like it's from that era of America where the Vietnam war is like, we gotta, we gotta put a bloom on this somehow. We gotta, we gotta not feel so bad about it. China beach yeah. is kind of one of those shows. And it's only almost larger than life to me going into tombstone than uh, some of the other actors in there. Wow. Like, I'm sure, like, when I saw Tombstone for the first time, I'm sure I had, like, a bigger impression of Dana Delaney or an idea of her than I did Sam Elliott. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, like, well, like, growing up as a kid, what would I have seen, like, Sam Elliott in? Like, oh, man, did you see Sam Elliott in this picture? Like, 15 (laughs) year olds. Roadhouse. Yeah. In Roadhouse, the animated series that was on Saturday mornings. There's (laughs) the other podcast you can have. Huckleberries from Tombstone Minute who've never seen Roadhouse. Oh, there we go. I've never done that. I've never seen it. Oh man, you'd love it. Yeah. Um, on this particular minute, uh, yes, Jim, Joe, either of you guys have anything? I have two quick things I want to mention. Okay, just real quick. Val Kilmer, some very impressive crying. Yes, the the, the tears strike me as completely real. He managed to get it done. So kudos capping off the Doc Holiday performance with some actual crying in this minute. And I mean, second, he's sort of like Juilliard, so maybe maybe that is real tears. Maybe that's like some method acting that I think happened he there. Did, I think he figured out. He found a place to go to, and then he made yeah. it happen. Um, and then the one just right at the end, watching this again, thinking about how you guys might like enjoy dissecting this minute. In the, there's a, in the close-up of Kurt Russell as in this minute – his face is enveloped in blackness. Like, yeah. And it's almost like, I, the first thing that came to my mind was uh, the Bohemian Rhapsody video from Queen. <laughs> 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 and 
it's it like I was like a, it made me think like why is he why is it so dark because they make it pretty clear in establishing the in establishing shots that it's a fairly well lit area. <laughs> yeah, and, and then as soon as he gets up to leave, he's the the light from the window is has is illuminating everything behind them. The daylight, it's like it's pretty clear. It's a daylight, but f- for whatever reason, the choice the the director made, who is certainly not named Kurt Russell, um, <laughs> they they were just like we're gonna just do like put his face in like complete blackness. It's just interesting to me. I I noticed it too. What I actually thought about was. Um... Seeing it reminded me of the opening scene of The Godfather, oddly enough. But in my head, it was like when I saw The Godfather on VHS when things were just way darker, like before like DVDs and Blu rays, and you'd have like a VHS. And at the beginning with Don Corleone with Marlon Brando, like I was just like, remember seeing it as a kid and being like, this is so dark. I can't tell what anything's going on. Yeah. (laughs) And even when you see it, it's the way it's supposed to be seen, it's still really dark. It's not just dark figuratively, it's dark literally. Yeah. Yeah. It is, uh, yeah. I noticed that too. It isn't is is an interesting um, decision to make here with with uh, Wyatt in the darkness. Well, anything that makes you think of Queen, like it's a net positive. Yeah. So the guy who's going to live and be just fine is, is <laughs> yeah, draped true. in darkness. That's true. <laughs> Everything's going to be fine. I'm just gonna I'm gonna go get that spirited actress. So this episode starts with us talking about Boston and ends with Queen. <laughs> just, just, Tells you there's, there's all you need to know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, Joe, do you have anything else on this minute? No, uh, no, not on this minute. Um, it's just so sad. It is. A, it's a downer. It's a downer minute. It's like it's extreme melodrama, and it's sort of. It's like okay, Doc Holliday's got to die. We're wrap, we're tying up the loose ends, you know. I mean, are we are we just being strong? Are we, I I really like this whole sequence. Um, I think it it kind of ties the emotional bow that kind of is in building throughout the entire movie with um, Doc and Wyatt. Well, yeah, I mean that's Which, sort of I guess you could say the the true love affair of the movie, right? Yeah, that's the relationship we care about. Yeah, that's the the you know the connection that drives everything. Um, so I, I really like it. I mean, I agree though. It is sad and it's, especially it's, you know, not exactly sort of material you want to talk about minute by minute (laughs) necessarily. (laughs) Well, that's how you get on Boston and Queen. Yeah. I will say this Um, and we don't have time to get into this, but it's certainly, it's a better on-screen death than Curly Bill got. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's my one Huckleberry rant. Or Johnny Ringo. Or John, well, yeah. (laughs) Or the priest. Yeah. Zombie Ringo. Zombie Ringo. <laughs> Morgan's was pretty good. Morgan's is a terrific A lot of death. blood. It's, it's the smearing of blood. blood. But the final on-screen I, death, it's sort of drawn out, and it does it tugs at the heartstrings. What this minute is missing is a dog barking in the background <laughs> that Wyatt's yelling at. <laughs> just yelling at the nurses, shut that dog up! Shut up that dog! He just starts <laughs> screaming at the priest. I don't know what language he's speaking, but get him out of here. <laughs> Before we let you go, I um, we were reminded that we forgot to ask earlier. Is, um, Jim, what is your cowboy name? Well, my cow- my cowboy name, and I, I appreciate you taking the time uh, to ask me about it, because um, I've thought about it long and hard, because that's, I think anyone who listens to Tombstone Minute has come up with their own cowboy name. 
and I think everybody wants to be a Huckleberry to be able to share it. Um, mine actually, I feel, is pretty fitting. I, I hope you'll agree. Um, I would not do too well in the Old West. I'm not a guy who like uh, thinks all that well about money or handles it and handles it well. And um, so I see these guys in the movie, and they see like they're very enterprising. Everyone's working a scheme. Everyone's working an angle, right? Like, how do I get money? How do I get rich? That would not be me. I would just be like, oh, you know, we'll see what happens today. <laughs> so <laughs> it couldn't really get along that way. And you probably wouldn't be surprised to hear that with that attitude, like earlier in life, I've had some sort of low, low income moments. And so mm -hmm. I think my cowboy name would be Destitute Jim. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it would be a guy who's always kind of in the need of a handout. I, I'm not proud to say this. I just think this is how it would unfold for me in the Old West. And and uh, it it really um, comes home for me with this one particular moment. This is a real moment. This is not a fake tombstone glory moment. It's definitely not glory. Uh, I had an, a job as a newspaper reporter in, a, in my 20s. And um, I was... In the 20s? In my 20s. In my 20s. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was a while back. <laughs> And uh, you make, uh, you'd be surprised how actual little money you make as a newspaper reporter for a small regional suburban newspaper. And uh, this sure. one particular day, uh, there was this friend of mine, also a reporter, and I, you know, we were pretty good friends. And uh, we, we weren't just work acquaintances, we were friends. And I, she was going out to lunch with someone, and I asked her for a dollar. <laughs> and. And I and like I, I think I wanted to go to a vending machine or something. I might have been actually doing a vending machine lunch. And she said to me, just whip whip snap quick, like without even hesitating. Uh, she said, Gimme a dollar? That should be your Indian name. Gimme a dollar. Oh jeez. Oh, and granted, that's a pretty awful thing to say. But it hung with me forever and I was like oh man I'm at the point where I'm asking people for money and they're getting angry at me <laughs> <laughs> even for just a dollar so I think that's how it would play out in the old west I'd just be a guy who's like mystified why he can't ever get his silver mine or his rig his pharaoh game I would just be the guy who's always doesn't have any money and I would be destitute Jim destitute Jim do you so think you'd be, you'd be so you, like the Cowboys? You, I, obviously, you don't love reporting, or you'd still be doing it. No. Or you just decided you didn't want to be destitute anymore. Uh, You've seen the, yourself writing for that tombstone. What was the name of the tombstone paper? One of them. There's two, right, Rob? Tombstone epitaph. Uh, tombstone okay. epitaph was one of them. I would I would enjoy seeing you as an old west reporter. <laughs> it's not. A, yeah. It's not a bad living. But it's a sure way to be walking the streets of Tombstone and asking out, asking people for handouts. <laughs> it is not a good way to uh, rise above the destitute level. Do you think being part of the Cowboys would be, appeal to you if you were destitute? You'd be like, yeah, you know, uh, Ike, Ike seems okay. <laughs> well, let me say, as real life, Jim, Ike definitely seems okay. <laughs> I was lucky enough to be a guest on this show twice, and my only regret of the of both experiences is that I did not get an Ike Clanton minute. 
Yeah, just the last we see him, he's screaming and throwing his red sash in the what air. What a marvelous performance. <laughs> like, the way that guy says pimps, oh my God. <laughs> um, he's a survivor. He's a survivor. Here's, here's, why I, here's why I could not be in the Cowboys, despite no matter how desperate I was for money. Way too big of a chicken. I would okay. be- well, it didn't stop Ike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, but Ike, he had just enough guts to, like, fake his way through it on the talking side. That's true. Ike was always willing to walk right up to the point when the bullets started flying. I would, I would jump in far, a well. I would be far too chicken. <laughs> I would be, like, uh, not to cross westerns here, but who's the character in Unforgiven who wears the, the bowler? That's like a newspaper reporter, right? Yeah. And at one uh, point, he wets yeah. himself. <laughs> I would be that guy in Tombstone. I couldn't <laughs> handle the gunplay. I would need Sam Elliott to snatch old, me out of the street. Old Wet Trousers Jim. Wet Trousers. It could be Wet Trousers. <laughs> wet Trousers Jim. <laughs> oh, marvelous. Yeah, that's my that's that's it though. That's it's that's my uh, my cowboy name and the extent of my two still minute contributions. Super fun. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks a lot. Oh, well, Is there anything? Yeah. One last crack on the bat here. Anything else? You know, you need to get out of your system before uh, before this you know episode and soon soon, Jim. This entire this entire series comes to an end. Uh, no, I'm gonna. I'll. I have far too many things I would add, so I'll just stop here. <laughs> okay. Um, all right, Joe, anything else for you for minute 118? Nope, I just hope we can all keep our, our trousers dry for at least one more day. <laughs> yep. Get through the just get through the weekdays. That's what I say. As long as I don't pee myself during the weekday, it's okay. <laughs> weekends it's all right. On the weekends, weekends are it's just okay. a fam- weekends it's just a family issue and then that's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Doesn't affect my career. All right. Um thanks a lot, Jim. Thank and you, yeah. uh We'll be back uh, tomorrow with uh, Minute 119.